Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. The Athletic. The race is on, and F1's first big news story of 2024 has broken, with Gunter Steiner out as Haas team principal and Ayo Komatsu promoted to take his place. But why the sudden departure of one of F1's highest profile paddock figures, and what does it mean for the future of a team that slumped to last in 2023? I'm Ed and joining me to answer those questions and more are Scott Mitchell Mal and Mark Hughes. Well, Scott, you love a bit of news, so are you revelling in today? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, it's uh, in one way, I. I bit cautious of saying that I revel in someone losing their job um, but in terms of the uh, process of sort of digging into it a little bit behind the scenes and it's sort of like all hands to the pump for the first time this year with uh, a range of content obviously including this uh, recording this podcast I, I like that it's uh, should we say it's blown away quite emphatically the the cobwebs that lingered after the Christmas break. Absolutely. And Mark, it's a bit of echoes of last year, isn't it? Because around this time of year, end of the year and the start of 23, we had all these team principal changes. We thought we were going to be spared the uh, the team principal merry-go-round, but we've had an unexpected late entry. Yeah, it's a little bit like when um, Williams changed changed everything about, about a year ago, isn't it? So uh, yeah, I, I guess if you're going to do it, now's the time to do it. Yep, that's a good way of looking at it, but no change here at the Race F1 podcast. Mark and Scott with me as always, so there's lots to chat about. So let's get into it, Scott, because Steiner, to all intents and purposes, is the Haas F1 team. It's almost inconceivable he's out, so can you explain why it has happened? Yeah, it is um, almost inconceivable. I think the, the the phrase I've used a couple of times in sort of discussions and also things I've written is that it's, it was Haas F1 team by name wasn't it but it was kind of Steiner F1 in reality from the formation of the team to the running of the team to the saving of the team and and and, and all of that um so you you do find it very difficult to imagine a Haas in F1 without without Steiner because we haven't we've, we've never had to um but while it's a while it is a surprise on the one hand because of that longevity and significance to the organization it's not come completely out of the blue because there were a lot of hints of dissatisfaction and some tension behind the scenes towards the end of last year and I think you and I have both written on occasion haven't we Ed that there's a question mark over exactly how committed Gene Haas is to making his F1 team super competitive and whether it's kind of just existing on on tick over there's a more much more overt piece on that that, that you did that, that ran um before uh, at the end of at the end of last year that's worth finding and we have a piece running on the the website explaining kind of the disagreement behind the scenes between Steiner and, and Haas that has led to this and it all it all boils down to what they believe the potential of the team is with its existing resources and with the need for new investments Steiner is adamant that Haas needed to put his hand in his pocket and improve things for the on-track performance to be um, to be improved as well, having gone through the motion several times in recent years of the, the same old problems. 
emerging emerging so Steiner's argument is we need better facilities we need more staff we need a better way of doing things and Hass's position is very simple he disagrees he thinks that Steiner's team should have been doing more with what it already had I personally think that is a an oversimplification and a misunderstanding of what an F1 team needs um bear in mind that you know I don't think I can't I can't imagine what the last time was that Gene visited the Banbury base for example so what does he know about how um, basic that facility is and how in need of of improvements it is but that is the underlying the or the bottom line disagreement and clearly Steiner being there as someone who doesn't want to do things or doesn't think the team should operate in the way that Haas operate Haas wants it to operate now means that he can't continue and the appointment of um, Kamatsu in his place, the former, obviously, director of engineering, I think, before, suggests to me that Kamatsu has been there saying to G, no, I think you're right. I think we can do more with what we've already got. Yeah, I think it's um, it's a question of ambition, isn't it? I think, uh, you know, Gunther, you know, he's very much part of, of, of this whole concept. It was his him that talked Gene into doing it and into investing in it. Um, and uh, you know he's he's a racer. He wants to progress, and you saw quite clearly what the limitations were becoming as as the as the game moved on, and they needed you know much um, better simulation, and which the, the particular problem that they hit with the car last year really exposed. Um, and you know the, the genes just seems to be quite happy having invested in the first place um he doesn't really want to um invest anymore meantime the asset value of that team is growing because f1 is itself is growing so it's the team's sort of expanding with it so i can quite imagine a scenario where gene's saying you know no i don't want to uh, put my hand in my pocket any further um and at the same time as saying um yeah but i'm i'm not selling whereas in reality uh, I'm sure if the uh, the the right if the right offer came along, um, he would be selling, and he would probably be selling for um, a, a lot more than he's invested. Um, so if if he's thinking in short term like that, the last thing he's going to be wanting to do is make a lot of uh, new capital investment. Um, just you know, it's a similar situation to Finn Rousing at Sauber, really. I can understand the the logic kind of laid out there, Mark, but I. I disagree in in so far as I I actually think Gene's desire for this team is a little bit weird to be honest and where he wants it to exist I think so in just this kind of strange strange situation where all he needs it to be is an F1 team that exists because he obviously set this up he wanted to get into F1 to 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 boost his his brand the Hassel automation brand and the F1 that he entered was nowhere near as beneficial for a mid middle to middling F1 team to exist in. It is now. It's got a cost cap. It's um, It's got a fairer prize fund um, distribution between the teams. And ironically, thanks to Steiner, there are a load more lucrative commercial deals for, for Haas to, to have done. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure that team washes its face quite nicely as far as Gene Haas is concerned. And I bet even though I don't know if he's ever said this publicly, but I bet Haas Automation gets so much just out of existing in, in Formula 1. It's a little bit like, to make another F1 team comparison, I know that you compared it to what's going on with, 
with 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 Sauber and and Finn Rousing and Audi over there. But it's a little bit like with Renault because where Renault's concerned, that brand might not get much about uh, get much out of being in F1 just to exist. But Alpine gets loads out of F1 just by existing in F1 because there's exposure for a brand that loads of territories haven't heard of and the opportunity from a Haas point of view to presumably do bits of advertising and maybe even some deals that, that wouldn't have been there before. So I'd be interested to know what you think about this, Ed, because obviously, like I said earlier, you, you, you wrote that piece before the end of last year. Do, do you get the impression that, that Haas is waiting for the right time to sell or do you think he is just not actually that interested in selling it or investing in it and it just kind of continues to tick along? Well, as far as I've heard, there have been a number of people who've approached them and been rebuffed with potentially big money deals. Michael Andretti as well is on the record as having said he's spoken to Hass on a number of occasions and not really got anywhere. In fact, in May 2022, Associated Press ran an interview with him where Michael Andretti basically said, well, Gene says that even if he's at the back, it works for him. So it's it's really interesting because the position Mark laid out is the completely rational, sensible one. That's exactly what Gene Hass should be thinking. As far as I'm concerned, there's two pathways for Gene Hass. One, you invest and there's sort of a subsection of that, which is if you don't want to invest your own money, and he's got plenty and he can, then you sell maybe a minority stake in order to raise the funds to invest, or you sell the team completely. But he just seems to want to sit in the middle, and that risks this team becoming an eternal tail ender. There's a massive, massive opportunity here. And the, the natural rivals, the, the stake, Sauber team, Williams and AlphaTauri, that were its three rivals last year, they're all investing and trying to move forward. So, yeah, it's, it's really risky, really odd. And, and this is what Steiner's pushed now. It's very interesting because Stein is such a high-profile figure and because he's got this reputation from Drive to Survive as this sort of sweary, forthright, in some ways he almost comes across as a comedy figure. And that's not what Gunter Steiner is. Yes, he's forthright, but he's very serious. And I've seen some people criticising his lack of ambition. It's not his lack of ambition. It's only his ambition that means this team's on the grid. Yeah, Gene has put in the money and has spent a lot on it. But this is the time he should be benefiting from it. And Steiner has been pushing hard on that. And as we've explained, that's why it's all happened. And this isn't Steiner going to another team or anything. As far as it's, it's just the differences between the two sides were just too extreme for it to carry on. But yeah, it, do, do, you it, two think, do you two think it's easy to underestimate Steiner? Yes. Yeah. Because it feels like that, that, the, the way you described it there, Ed, is spot on. I think people don't necessarily take him seriously because there is a... There is a, a, a generation of fan who have come across Steiner purely through that sphere, through the prism of Drive to Survive. Which, I, I, ironically, if you know if you know him and you know the background and you know his importance to that organisation, I don't think he comes across as a clown in Drive to Survive. He comes across as the the, the, the figurehead of it, who just ha- happens to be capable of being quite light-hearted at times. And yeah, he is a he is a sweary character, but. You know, he he gained that celebrity status completely by accident, and he he wasn't he wasn't unwilling to accept the the benefits as a result of it. But I think it did him a bit of a disservice because he is that's that significance to the organisation so wide reaching, and that's why not to get ahead, but that's why it's so difficult to imagine replacing him. Kind of can work because it's just I I don't see how you can recreate Steiner from an aggregate of of positions and, and and people because he was he was that team and yes he wasn't on site in Banbury and I, I I think if there's one thing that stands out to me as something that can be better it's that they won't they will no longer have a team principal that's based in the US or 
I, I know that he was he kind of bounced around a little bit because that's the nature of the Haas setup with the US, Italy, and UK bases. But I just I think I I think it's been easy to criticise Steiner for different things like the Urkali deal, like the um, the way he's portrayed in Drive to Survive, the handling of Mick Schumacher that had a lot of people in Schumacher's camp criticising Steiner and saying he should have done it differently. But he's is he a top three team principal? Not really sure. And I'm not sure his style would work outside of a team, an, an organisation like Haas. But he's a better and more serious and much more influential figure than I think people might, than I think some people might give him credit for. And I think he's ideal for the nature of team that Haas is because it's easy to forget how remarkable it was what Haas did. That team came in at a time, they finished in the top six in their first two Grand Prix at a time when people had pretty much given up on any new team doing anything. Uh, Mark, what do you make of Steiner? Would you agree with our characterisation of him as perhaps more serious than perhaps some people who see it through the, the social media drive to survive lens might think? Yeah, he's a very, very competent manager and he, he walks that um, that tightrope that um, you have to do in a, a, a small team very well and uh, he's he's got a very shrewd idea of, of where resources need to be and how how you get how you get the best from those resources his um his style's not the most diplomatic um, but that's you know if you can't if you can't take that you probably you shouldn't be in formula 1 so i think um yeah, he's he's a, a very very competent pair of hands, and it's um, it's difficult to see that um, how you can just take him out of the equation um, and and not have the have the thing um, lose energy. Yeah, and no, I think I can understand as as you say, there will be some people who don't necessarily get on with his way of working, which is very direct, very to the point. But I've always found him very straightforward in that regard, which is uh, generally positive so it will change the character of the team very much and the direction so that this is a this is a big change and really the team has lost what is ultimately its biggest asset in terms of not just the way he runs that team but also the profile he brings it through his disproportionate popularity the reason he's been happy with the drive to survive stuff and with occasionally being willing to be portrayed as this comedy figure doing his book and that kind of thing is he knows that's beneficial for the team because it's the only team where the team boss is a bigger deal than the drivers. Yeah, and I know that, um, I, I, again, I'm not going to get too far onto the sort of, um, w- like what it means for, for, for Haas side of things. We'll get to that properly in a minute. But just from a just from an identity point of view and an interest point of view, like I, I, I think this team risks basically disappearing. Like not necessarily from the grid, but just from the public eye. And if I were... If, if I were one of the senior figures at MoneyGram or one of the other partners that have come on board during the Steiner era and the Drive to Survive era, I'm going to be really reconsidering my investment because that team underperforms, doesn't have a particularly interesting story around it because it's not a historical team. It's uh, It's been on the grid for less than less than a decade. Um, without Without a popular figurehead, without a figurehead who can speak his mind and entertain and engage in an authentic way what does that team offer publicly so if they're unsuccessful there's not really much they're bringing to the party which means everyone's attention goes elsewhere they 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 risk becoming bland and anonymous 
Exactly, and that's perhaps what the season is going to bring for this team. But let's see, it's a chance for Okamatsu to take control and stamp his authority, so that's the next thing we'll get onto in a moment. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, Mark, what do you make of the appointment of Komatsu as team principal? He's not the highest profile, but plenty listening to this will have heard of him. Very competent engineer. He's got a big job on, especially given the change in technical leadership at that team as well, because Simone Resta has departed. So what do you expect from this? He's a very experienced F1 engineer. He's been in F1 for about 20 years now. He came in direct as a, a graduate um, to BAR and then went to Enstone. He engineered several drivers, including Roman Grosjean, and when when Enston at that time was um, really suffering from underinvestment, the, the Genii time, uh, Grosjean left for Haas and Komatsu wasn't long in following him. So he's one of those engineers who's good at the human side too, builds up good relationship with drivers. But so far he's not been tested at a managerial level, so it's a big change in responsibility and in fronting like a high-profile organisation. Um, so I don't know if this is... As Scott suggested earlier, you know he, he's spotted an opportunity and is ambitious and and, and wants to go in this direction. Or if um, he was <laughs> almost, you get a picture. Jeans looked around and just pointed at him and said, "You, you've been here for a while. You take over." I don't know, don't know how much is it is that, but I, I suspect it's more the former. I think um, he's been in quite a senior engineering position for quite a long time and, and probably is looking at it as a an opportunity, a career opportunity, and uh, he's, he's a bright guy. And um, if that's how much, if, if that's what he wants, and how much he can apply himself, it will determine how successful he is in the role. But it is um, quite a, a tricky, um, it's a tricky tightrope to walk, as I was saying earlier on about the, the job that Gunther's been doing, because you've got on the one hand teams around you that, that you're competing with investing heavily and you, you've got even Williams is even trying to be allowed to spend more to have more capital expenditure than it's being allowed to spend because it, it wants to catch up um, the sister Red Bull team is being more integrated in the Red Bull so we can expect gains there Audi's coming in so all, all while that's going on you're trying to run this what's become a much smaller scale operation even than it was already uh, and and trying to you know produce a bang for buck uh, which it's been very good at at times in the past but it, to 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 sustain that um it it's it's a tricky it's a tricky thing to do and especially as you say it while the um the the, the technical 
um, leadership has uh, has been changed as well. So uh, let's see. What gives me some trepidation about Komatsu's Hass is that one, the task of succeeding the previous team boss is exacerbated by who that team boss was and how plugged in they were across the business. As Mark was saying, it's, it's complicated. It's not just uh, one team boss leaves, the other gets slotted in and you just pick up exactly where they left off. That That's never quite the case anyway, but it's, it is, it's exacerbated here. The second element is the, the, the reasons that Steiner's leaving are because there's a big disagreement about where the team's at at the moment and what it needs to be successful. Now, Komatsu has clearly said what Haas is willing... Uh, sorry, he's clearly said what Haas wants to hear because whether Komatsu's chased the job or he's been hand-picked by Gene to get the job, he's not being appointed if he does. If he turns around and says, no, I agree with Gunter, you need to give us 50 million over the next three years or whatever. He, he's not getting the job in that in that scenario. So... He's clearly on the same wavelength to his agree as Gene is for now. But the question is whether that's the right wavelength to, to be on. And if he just ends up encountering the same problems, because if he does, why is it going to be any different? It'll just it'll just be the same ceiling that gets smashed up against. And while you might argue that there is a kind of handy template a few doors down in the in the pit lane at McLaren, in a maybe slightly reluctant engineer gets an opportunity to become team principal at McLaren is Andrea Stella, now it's um, Ayo Komatsu. And Stella's been a revelation at McLaren. He has revitalised that team with his leadership and uh, has been an absolutely outstanding appointment, even if he was. When we were on this podcast probably 13 months ago, talking about it, the continuity appointment. But the key difference is what kind of organisation is Komatsu inheriting and what kind of standing um, does he have within that organisation? Because Stella, we know, is, I want to say almost, but I think he's just universally loved and respected within McLaren. He does seem to have unanimous popularity in that team and was a reluctant team boss in a way, which is almost exactly who you want to be running the team because then there's, there's less ego getting in the way. So Stella took the team principal role in a much more simple conventional team and structure with a great standing within the organisation. Now, Komatsu has been at Haas a long time. He should have a similar standing, but I don't know how popular he is within Haas. I don't know if he has everyone on his side. I don't know if he has everyone saying, yeah, what a great appointment he is as team principal, but he is also taking charge of a much more complicated team setup. So, just because that template exists of, oh, this engineer did really well as a team principal doesn't mean that that's easy to, to follow or that this necessarily follows the same template. So, yeah, there's, there is a little bit of concern around it and it might be partly to do with Komatsu. It depends what he's like and, and what he does, but there is just that bigger picture that he has to operate within. It's a very interesting case because Komatsu will have the chance to kind of make localised changes as in the way the team operates within what it's got. He could have some great ideas there. The team can do better with what it's got. You know, Steiner admitted that last year. They had aerodynamic problems with the car. Their concept was a bit of a dead end. They couldn't add performance. They were a bit too slow changing that concept. And the hope is that that will pay them back with the step they make this year with a car that hopefully can be as quick as the last one, but maybe look after its tyres a bit uh, better. So... 
there is the potential there for Komatsu to have some ideas and he knows the team inside out that could make it work a little bit better in that regard but yeah my big concern is as you've said Scott his hands are going to be tied in the wider picture and the other interesting thing that's worth mentioning is Haas has announced that they're also going to appoint a chief operating officer to be based in Europe as we understand it, it's going to be running out of Banbury their UK hub not really a race week a race regular so someone who will be working a lot from the office and overseeing all the non-competitive stuff the way it's portrayed is Komatsu deals with the competitive stuff so they've tried to almost split the Steiner role a little bit so that's very interesting it's not just going to come down to Komatsu it's also going to come down to their COO and the bottom line is if you look at Komatsu obviously he's an engineering side person so he will want the, the the money to be coming in, the investment, the resources, the facilities, and presumably a lot of that is going to come on the COO's shoulders. So the COO will be the one who has to make sure that the sponsorship money is still coming in, etc., try and convince Gene has to spend. So it's a really interesting setup, and it's not solely a test of, of Komatsu. That's what I think is really uh, interesting. And how things start as well could be very interesting, because if the changing car concept yields a nice positive start, that'll be very positive. The team will be uplifted and amenable to the changes. If things start badly, which actually will just carry on from the previous regime, that that those decisions are already made, then that can make things a lot harder. So there's a lot of factors here. I don't feel that whoever was taking over this team would have anywhere near as much influence as, say, Stella has in terms of the McLaren situation. What, one thing I would say that's in... Komatsu's corner, and I might have mentioned this earlier, but I genuinely can't remember, um, is that, like I said, Steiner had that um, sort of roving role in terms of where he was based, and he was primarily based out of the the US. I I do think that one of the areas that Komatsu clearly has the potential to have a big impact is being a Banbury presence and having the UK site. That is the hub of the team, even though the design office is over in in Italy, in in the Maranello facility, that that could give the team a little bit more kind of functionality and um, togetherness that it maybe lacked. It would be harsh to call it completely rudderless, obviously, because Steiner was doing his best and checking in, and by all accounts, making an effort to to cross the different time zones where he could. But if you've got your two main, most important bases in Europe and your team principals based in the UK and working out of the UK office, you have to think that will give it a little bit more kind of control. Direction may be the wrong word, but there's got to be something there in terms of the influence and how that can then be used to steer the ship that can work in its favour. It can't. It's definitely not a disadvantage versus having a team that isn't permanently based out of that office, for example. Yeah, and just to build on that i know from a conversation some years ago with someone at Haas, there was the impression a few had that steiner was a little bit kind of drop in drop out as in he'd do a few days a week and not the rest of it because he was doing that being spread around so much because of the unique way this team's operated so that's going to be a challenge as well for uh, for komatsu because as you say he's got the chance to maybe make the the banbury side work a little bit better but there's a lot of threads to draw together in this team which is exactly one of the things that steiner was uh, wanting to be improved so it's a big old challenge but also it's a great opportunity for uh, for komatsu and as you say He's got a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge, so it's it's his chance to try and stamp his authority on a team that he knows very well, and good luck to him. We'll get back to the pod in a moment, but first, a word about our partner, Grammarly. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. 
All those emails, reports and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. And Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. I know from experience that Grammarly can help you save time on any writing task and ensure you feel confident about what you've produced. In fact, 96% of Grammarly's users report that Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing, and their tone suggestions can help you navigate even the most difficult work conversations. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free at grammarly.com forward slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said done. Well, Scott, as we talked about earlier, there are big question marks about what progress has, has the investment to make, what its future is. So what do you think is coming for this team? What needs, well, I think we know what needs to be ha- needs to happen. I should maybe say what needs to happen, but it's not going to happen. And what will that mean? Yeah, it's, it's tricky because I think we need to see how this kind of shakes out really over the first half of the season. We need to see if the moves that were made towards the end of the last of last year do do translate into a more competitive car we need to see if the new technical director which is likely to be uh, an internal promotion it's the um up until now chief designer ed help me out i'm blanking on the name Andrea oh look at that both of you well done in stereo <laughs> <laughs> um so that will take some time to have an impact if there was a design philosophy or if there was a, a way of working that they didn't like under Restar and they want to change, that's going to take some time to, to bring in. So that stuff is, we need to reserve judgment on that. We need to reserve judgment on the performance of the team in the first half of, of this year. We're not, we're not going to get too many concrete answers about what Komatsu's Haas looks like or how it operates in the first part of the of the season kind of what it needs to be and what it needs to do beyond that is well it's a little bit chicken and egg really because it needs to be better at developing through the season it needs to be more competitive it needs to show that it's capable of um getting back to the mega bang for its buck value that mark referenced earlier and it needs to show that it can just outperform rivals that seem to have more capital investment than has benefits from at the moment but in order to do that I think Haas needs to have more than it is now. I'm not convinced that Haas is less than the sum of its parts. I don't think its parts are as impressive as Gene Haas thinks they are. And so I think from what I hear from the people that are there on a regular basis, you know, the Banbury facility is pretty basic. I really, really don't think that the model that Haas entered F1 is, is fit for purpose in this era of F1 that's becoming so much more competitive because when they were achieving reasonable success with that, McLaren was a little bit lost um, Renault's works team was going through the motions in sort of the middle of, of of the midfield. Williams was massively underachieving. Sauber was massively underachieving. There was low hanging fruit there for for a Haas that was getting the most out of that model early on to to to, to reach out and grab. I don't think that's there anymore. So I I just, I think this it doesn't. I don't I don't think the team needs a complete root and branch review, but. It feels like there needs to be quite a big change, and like longer term, 
it probably needs to be its own team, doesn't it? Not have that reliance on Ferrari. I mean, it, it needs a proper base, a proper facility. It needs a European version of what the US facility was was meant to be, because that's kind of sitting over there at the moment as an un a largely unused kind of waste of time and money to impress the FIA to get into F1. If they had that in the UK, I'd maybe be a bit more optimistic about it, but it doesn't have that, and that that's an example of the kind of thing it's it's missing. Yeah, and I think the pattern of the, of the car's performance last year in particular, where they had this long-running problem that just wasn't cured, and then they tried to, you know, almost um, incorporate next year's car as much as possible with this massive upgrade that was brought in Austin, which just didn't work. It was no quicker, probably slower than the original car highlights that there is a limitation there and it's a question is is that limitation born of a, a an adequately resourced team that is being not led very well or not in in engineering terms or is it born of an engineering team that's doing absolutely the maximum it can do with inadequate resources and that, that need to be updated and and that's in essence is, is the the, the Gene Haas and the Gunther Steiner position. The bottom line is that with any F1 team, you can do a rough estimation of what their potential is. And if you think of it, if every F1 team gets 100% out of what they've got, extracts 100% of the potential of their people, their facilities, everything they've got, then Haas is 10th. That's just the way it is. And that's the thing that I find odd. Certainly, they could have done a bit better last year. They did have problems last year. That's not a, not a problem to admit that. It's not like they were absolutely perfect. But firstly, the limitations they have may have played a part in creating that situation. And secondly, every team has bad years and problems. So that's, that, that doesn't mean that if they did everything right, they'd be doing really, really well. And I'm genuinely concerned about this team being left behind. And it's what I find so baffling about Gene Hass's position. He owns it. He's paid for it. It's his call. He can do what he wants with it. But in my opinion, it is very baffling. Unless it's doing phenomenal things for Hass Automation, his machine tools company, and very possibly it is. It seems totally puzzling to me that they've got he's got this asset that's now grown massively in value that for spending, and they only want to spend kind of $50, $100 million more over the coming years to max out on the CapEx and the and the, the, the cost cap operational spending to maximise what that team can do, that could shunt it into the billion-plus value, which for something that Gene Haas was contemplating shutting down for nothing when COVID hits is extraordinary. So it just seems really weird to me. Like I say, his choice, but I, I don't get it. And I honestly think that the if it's fifty to a hundred million, as you mentioned there, Ed, I honestly think in a Gene Haas context, you you are allowed to say only fifty to a hundred million. He's a billionaire. He could spend that on that team. He could spend that on the team and not notice. So the fact that he doesn't means he's actively choosing not to, which means, as we've said before, he genuinely believes he's given this team enough already. But I think you're right and he's wrong. I think that team is tenth if you maximise its potential completely. Where where does he think Haas is? If it if it if it's not if it's not going to overachieve, where does he think that the gains come from? Does he really think that that organisation that that collective structure is better than the revi the revitalised Williams or or even what Red Bull's doing with with what the team that's not going to be called AlphaTauri this year? Especially if that team moves partly onto um, the, the the Red Bull main campus as well. So I just it it baffles me. 
as well. I, I don't really understand what he thinks he has or what he thinks he's given that that F1 team. And it, I'm fascinated to see what Komatsu, if there, what signs there are of Komatsu doing things differently or what he has that allows him to get more out of it. That if 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 he thinks that there is more potential to squeeze from it, because I just I just don't see it. I mean. If you break it down into the individual parts, like the US facility is basically a nothing contributor, isn't it? It's not really, it's nothing to do really with the fortunes of the F1 team. The The Marinello facility, I'm greatest respect to all of the people that work within Haas, but if you're a Ferrari person that seconded to um, Haas, you're not absolute top tier F1 designer because you'd be working on the Ferrari, not, 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 not the customer team. Or, or you could be somebody who maybe is due a bit more seniority who's perhaps stuck. So I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that there aren't circumstances where high-quality personnel might not benefit. No, 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 sure. But, but my point so is... I think that's my part point of is the, in a, the benefit for Ferrari. You're like-for-like like role. You're, you, you, you have that role at yes. Ferrari yeah. if you're that good in that position or ready for that position or have the experience or whatever, right? And if you're... Whether you're an aerodynamicist, whether you're working in another position in the UK facility or whatever... And Gene isn't investing in the team. Presumably, that means they're not hiring, or presumably they are hiring, but they're not offering particularly good packages compared to to other organisations. So when big teams fall foul of the cost cap and they have to let staff go, or what, or you know, there's opportunities there to offer people bigger and better pay packages or positions, and they can get in their existing teams. Hass isn't hoovering those te- those people up. Williams is, McLaren is. That, like that, that's those are the teams that they're going to. I, so I don't see, I, 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 just, I just don't see what he thinks he has. That, that would be the way I would say it. Yeah, and, and it is puzzling because it was remarkable what they did to get on the grid at the time they did. Incredibly difficult economic circumstances and incredibly difficult competitive circumstances, and they did very respectably. They finished fifth in the championship in 2018 with what was the fourth fastest car on average. So. It just seems to be squandering a, a, a great start, and that that is a shame. But to come back to what you were saying, Mark, the uh, the possibility of selling and selling to Andretti, which is the obvious one. Now, people will say, well, Andretti have got the 11th entry. Why would they need to buy? But it does seem like the most elegant solution for absolutely everybody for that to happen, which is why we have to consider it as a possibility. And because they would be a motivated buyer. And there were other buyers floating around as well because other buyers have expressed interest in in Haas privately. That could drive up the value quite nicely. So it could actually realise serious money just by dint of being one of those 10 F1 teams. And this is the time to do it if you're not going to keep investing. Yeah, absolutely. And it's got a commercial value because it has a commercial agreement, you know, which Andretti doesn't. Even though he's got the entry, he doesn't have the commercial agreement. So, yeah, it, 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 it's potentially a very, very valuable asset. I guess there's always the question of whether Gene Haas is just playing a very clever game and making it... He's played a long game over years to make it look like he's got no interest to sell, which I guess is possible, but I, I just everything I hear tells me that's that's not the case. But I'll be very interested to see what happens if F1 starts trying to leverage things a bit. Bernie Eccleston would have been in there making it happen. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Bernie would have uh, arranged things. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's not run like that anymore, for better or worse, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it develops. I'm curious to see what happens as F1's value surely diminishes, and because 
it's been riding the crest of the wave, hasn't it? That it, it got off the back of the the, the 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 pandemic, really, and the mega twenty twenty one season. That combination of being the first proper sport back, the first global sport back in action, and then producing amazing on track action in twenty twenty one, coupled with everybody that was tuning in through through Netflix, it really boomed. But that's not going to last. I've got I've got to say that as a snooker fan, snooker did have some nominally international events going before F one. Okay, just a small. I, I, I I'm not going to get into that debate on gosh. this point. I'm going to leave myself open to colossal ridicule and, and, and abuse. Um, but F one's not going to have that 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 boom forever, and Hass's value is going to diminish now that it doesn't have Steiner. It just is because the partners aren't going to want to be probably aren't going to want to be as involved as they as they were before. And I'm also just. Again, it comes back to like what Gene thinks he has, but you're buying an entry. If you if you want to buy Haas, you're buying the entry, aren't you? Because you're not buying how the team works. I can't imagine an Andretti, for example, or whoever, wants to get into F1 the way that Haas currently run. So you're basically just buying it to then go and set yourself up a proper team or a, or a proper facility, rather, new headquarters, wherever you want it to be based. And I have to admit, a, a Steinerless Haas... In the in the great argument of whether Andretti, for example, should be on the grid with Cadillac and General Motors, and whether if F one's not going to expand to an eleventh team, whether one of the existing teams is just wasting a space, that argument for a Steinerless Haas is very different to the argument with Steiner in charge of Haas, because, like I say, Steiner was he was one of the longest serving but most popular team bosses. He gave actual credibility to the organization he he was he alone was adding something to to formula one we always talk or hear about people talking about adding ad being additive versus diluting from from the pot steiner definitely added something but as i mentioned earlier a bland anonymous identityless has f1 that's achieving nothing other than poodling around at the back of the grid hoovering up some prize money and advertising jeans companies that's not adding anything to Formula One. And that, to me, if you if, if you want us to take it seriously as a so-called franchise model with 10 franchises, you can't have one of them being a waste of time and space. And in that situation, F1 would be better off with an Andretti-General Motors combination. It, it, it just would. Yeah, I think that's true. It's difficult because there's a lot of people in that team working very, very hard to do what they can do. So there's lots of serious people who are being massively diligent in what they're trying to make happen, but being held back by the ownership. But yeah, I'm I'm fascinated to know whether there will be that attempt to force something. Because, for example, as you say, it doesn't really fit in with their model. There's a new Concorde coming up. If you put a little bit of pressure on, say, listen, Gene, you know, we're going to make your model not really work and you're going to have to spend a load of money on the team. But So why not just sell it? Look, we've got this buyer here for you. Just you two sit down and sort it out. That's pretty much what Bernie Eccleston would have done to, to make it happen. He'd have found, found a way to incentivise it, and it would solve all the problems because F1 would get the Andretti team with GM. It would have 10 teams, not 11. It would solve the Haas uh, problem. So, uh, yeah, you'd like to think that a good idea can't be uh, uh, can't be uh, thrown away, but uh, but maybe it maybe it won't. And who knows? Haas could surprise us and do something great over the coming years and, and defy their the level. But it, it's it's really hard to see. I mean, for a, I mean, for a visual example, I know this this seems peripheral, but. What you can do technically in F1 does depend on the money you've got, the backing you've got. It's a virtuous circle, isn't it? You need the sponsorship side in order to to do well. And if you walk up and down the paddock, 
Haas has got comfortably the the pokiest uh, motorhome setup. It's it's quite nice and it's nicely run and everything, but when you compare it to the sort of monstrous citadels that some of these teams have that are just high level, it's, it makes it harder to entertain potential sponsors and sponsors within the paddock. So it, it limits what you're trying to do. That's just one very easy visual example. And I don't know exactly how much a motorhome costs. It's not a drop in the ocean. And you might not think that will make your team go any quicker, but actually it can because it might bring you in another 20 million a year in sponsorship or some such. That's just one example of the kind of area where investment can be made. So yeah, interested to see. It could, it could be that there's some genius ideas that will surprise us all, but it's very difficult to see Haas in the long term doing well, even if they have a, an uptick in 2024. And they very much could have an uptick because with what they've got, they they could still, if if Williams and Stake and AlphaTauri under-deliver and Haas does a good job, they could still be in that mix for, say, seventh place, something like that, or if someone in the middle massively drops the ball, be up with them. But long term, it just feels like it's going to be just this slow ossification of that team into just the 10th team, which is a real shame given what they've achieved. So we'll follow that very closely over the course of the year. And I'm sure we're going to hear plenty from uh, from the team about its plans and uh, let's see how it goes. Thanks very much to Scott and Mark for your insight. Head to the race.com and don't forget the hyphen. Plenty to read there on the Haas situation and goings on in the rest of the world of motorsport. Check out our other podcasts, including Bring Back V10s, which is in its ninth season right now. Tells classic F1 stories. The Race F1 Tech Show with Gary Anderson, our MotoGP, Formula E and IndyCar podcast. And also have a look at our YouTube channel for long and short videos. Thanks for listening. Stay with us for everything you need to know from the world of Formula One. The Athletic.